0: Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning to hear from your word, I just want to ask you to speak to our hearts this morning about worship, about what it means to come into your presence, and how it's not just Sunday morning, but it's a lifestyle. That through the week that we would give you our very best, living conscious of your presence, aware of your work in our life, seeing the needs of people around us, and being willing to serve you wherever you may lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our church, there are three things that we ask every believer to be involved in. And that's to worship, it's to be growing in our faith, and it's to be serving using our gifts in ministry as God leads. And today we're going to be talking about worship. And what I want you to see is that all of these things are just part of the normal Christian life. It is what God expects of each one of us. In John chapter 4, Jesus was talking with a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he said this. He said, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we understand that, to worship Him in spirit means that we have been born again. We cannot worship God if we do not know Him. We have come into a relationship with Him where we are in fellowship with God through His Holy Spirit. And we worship Him in truth, according to God's Word and the way that He has shown us. And so those are the things that we're going to be looking at this morning. But what strikes me in this passage of what Jesus said there is that God is seeking worshipers. God is seeking, looking for those who will worship him, not because he needs it or because we add anything to him. It is because we need it and we need him. Worship changes us. A.W. Tozer once said that we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And you see that in the lives of individuals. If people worship a God of money, that becomes the motivation for life. That's what they think about pursuing, acquiring, investing, making more and more. If someone worships a God of pleasure, whether that is uh, physical pleasures just in terms of enjoying this world or if it's uh, having uh, you know, sensual pleasures, people focus on that. It becomes an idol in their life and they build their life around it. If people focus on beauty and beauty becomes their God, then that is the focus of their life. How they look or how they appear to others we tend to become like the God we worship. So when we worship a God who is holy, a God who is loving, a God who is compassionate and gracious, we become like him as we spend time in his presence. And that's why God is seeking worshipers. He wants us to know him in that kind of deep and personal way. But the other thing about God seeking worshipers is that He wants all people to know Him. This is the fuel for missions. It's not just that we would come into a relationship with Him, but it's that others might know Him too, and that He would use us to make that good news known. John Piper said it like this He said, Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist to bring the gospel to the nations that they might become worshipers of the one true God. God's desire is that people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language would come to know him in spirit and in truth. So what does the Bible have to say about worship? And what does that look like when we meet? We're going to walk through uh, a few points here today as we look at what the Scripture says about worship. In a little bit, I'm also going to ask Chaz to come and share some of her thoughts about worship with us as well, because I want you to hear from our worship director in the same way that a few weeks ago we asked Justin to speak, because I think it's good for you to know the heart of our youth pastor as well. So here's the first point. Worship is giving God the praise He deserves. When we look at a passage like Psalm 29, the psalmist says that we are to ascribe to the Lord His glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. And worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. And here the psalmist is calling upon all creation, the angels in heaven, the people on earth, to come and join in their praise and worship of God. The word ascribe means to give credit to, to attribute to, to say that we acknowledge that God, you are the one who is glorious. You are the one who is almighty. You are the one to whom our highest honor and praise is due. And we worship you for your holiness. God is calling on all creation to do that. The word worship actually comes from the old English word worthship. Worthship. It's just a shortening of that. So worship is to attribute worth to something, value And we see that pictured in the book of Revelation, for example, in chapters 4 and 5, where this scene of heaven is unfolding before us. And we see the elders who are around the throne. We see the angels. We see those who have gathered there to worship the Lord. And they are crying out to him. And we see uh, the angels in heaven worship God continually saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the elders lay down their crowns before his throne. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. And a little later, we see concerning the Son that they say, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So here we have this scene in heaven and we see all of those who are gathered there worshiping God for his holiness because of who he is. We see them worshiping God as our creator, our maker. We see them worshiping the son of God as the one who died for us to make it possible that we could know God. So when we come before God in worship and we gather as a corporate body of believers like this, it is a time of celebration. It's a celebration of who God is and what He has done for us. And that's why we come and we gather and we sing these songs of praise that speak to those things. It's why we listen to His Word that talks about these things and we focus our eyes on the living God. And as we do that, we are changed by His power. For the believer, worship is that place of rest and renewal. It's that place where we come to sing about God, but also where we quiet our hearts and we listen to Him, and we listen to His Word. Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In these times when we gather before the Lord, it's a time to really reset the compass, to be reminded again of what is eternal, what is lasting, what is fleeting, to remember who it is that we serve and what He has done for us, and to give Him our very best. And secondly, worship is both corporate and individual. There are times when we gather and worship as a congregation. We come and we need these times. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, the scripture says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That there were some even back then who were in the habit of missing. There are times of corporate worship, of missing church. And we see that today, too, where sometimes people think, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, or I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. And it is true that we can have a relationship with God wherever we are, but God has designed us to be part of a fellowship. A local group of believers who will encourage us in our walk with God who will hold us accountable and help us to grow in our relationship with him. And it is very difficult in this world to stay on fire for Christ if you are not regularly meeting with other Christians. But we also do need those times of individual worship, because worship is more than what we do on Sunday morning. We need those times when we quiet our heart before the Lord and we come into his presence. In Psalm 5.3, David said this, he said, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. David made it his habit to come before the Lord in the morning and to bring to him his praise and his burdens and to listen to the living God. Well, Chaz, would you come and I've asked you to share some of your thoughts on worship this morning too, as you uh, lead us and prepare your heart. And I know we were talking about this, and Chaz said you know she had to uh, write on this uh, and a thesis kind of, or you know, in, in her studies. So she's abridged that a little bit here as she's going to share.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate Rick giving me the opportunity to be able to share what God has laid upon my heart for worship here at Lakes Free. But like you said, it was very hard for someone who has a big passion for worship to condense that many pages into just a couple amount of minutes. So if I talk really fast, I apologize. Um, Just in the next few minutes, I'd like to just share a little bit about um, what worship means um, to me and then also how that relates to what I do here. Um, Number one is what is worship? Number two, what does worship involve? Number three, how do you experience authentic and genuine worship? Um, Throughout history... In worship, worship is always involved in action, and that, made, that main word in Biblical Hebrew means to bow down. Worship was performed in many different arenas. It was a way to be able to bow. It was a lifting of the hands, kneeling, singing and reciting scripture, or even prayer. And when the Bible commands us to worship, it's not a a commanding, um, a forcing of commanding, but it's to honor God with our lips and our heart. Uh, We see how that became a problem in the life of the Pharisees in Isaiah 29 13, um, that says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart was far from me. So we see that the essence of worship is an act of honoring God, but our hearts must also be prepared for worship. I spend the majority of my time in preparation, in prayer, and also scripture studies to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of guide and direct the selections that we sing each week. And so it is not based on the top 10 song of the week or something that we've done a million times. I plan anywhere from a month to two months in advance based on the schedule. And so it amazes me how God ends up pulling a phrase, or a verse, or a theme from those selections that helps tie in with the message when I haven't actually seen the message, and I'm completely overwhelmed by God's Holy Spirit. What does worship involve? Worship involves the act of reflecting back to God the glories that He's the glories that He is emanating from His presence. Worship also must come from biblical truth. Worship should never be pursued as a means to achieving anything other than worship. And what I mean by that is that we live in some very interesting times where there's a fascination with feelings, and it can run rampant in our culture today. And so worship shouldn't be this frenzied emotional product or a gimmick. Worship should bring honor to God so that we might experience the joy of his mercy. So when we're singing honor and majesty before him, glory and strength, are holy, holy, holy. Our hearts are drawing near to God and experiencing anything far from being away from Him. David says in Psalm 29:2, "Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name and the worship, the Lord in the glory of His holiness. Jesus also says in Matthew 4.10, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We need to recognize his honor and feel the worth of it. How do we experience authentic worship? Well, I'm going to walk you through just the scriptures that I use in my preparation to allow me to choose that selection of worship that we do for the worship services here at Lakes Free. Step one, we have to prepare our hearts. Psalm 51, 17 says that the sacrifice that is acceptable to God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Number two, a confession of sin. Psalm thirty eight eighteen says, I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Step three is a desire or longing of our heart. Psalm 42, 12 says, As the heart longs for the flowing streams, so longs my soul for thee. O God, my soul thirsts for God, the loving God. Psalm 73, 25 and 26, Whom I in heaven but thee, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Step four is awe and gratefulness. Psalm 33 says let all the earth fear the Lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him Step 5 is thanksgiving Psalm 104 says enter his gates with thanksgiving step 6 is joy and hope be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy all you upright in heart and finally step 7 is praise Psalm 42:5 says Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. What makes a worship service authentic, genuine, and pleasing to God is the quickening of our hearts with appropriate emotions. And how that happens can be different for each and every one of you. For some of you, it's the tune of a hymn. For some of you, it's the song of a praise song. Some of you, it's seeing the cross or watching somebody worship. For some, it's tithing. For some, it's serving. And for others, it is listening to the scriptures come alive through biblical teaching. We must take these principles and apply them to our everyday lives, and not just on Sunday. Although the body of Christ plays a very significant role in corporate worship, it is just as important for us to prepare our hearts individually in pursuing God for a life of worship.
0: All right, thank you, Chaz. What I really appreciate about what Chaz does each week too is she is so good at picking out songs that fit with the message, but as you heard, we do that well in advance, so she hasn't seen what I've written, but she spends time with the Lord, studying the passage that I am studying, that I'm gonna be speaking on, And then really seeks, you know, Lord, okay, what music would be appropriate to bring that out? And so many times we have talked about how, you know, God makes us look better than we really are because of how those things fit together so well. When we come on Sunday morning and we go, God, you are just amazing. Worship is more than music, yet music is an important part of worship. And we see in Acts 2.42, for example, that when the believers met together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so you see these individuals coming together corporately to meet, and there were other things that were part of their worship. In Acts, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 16.2, Paul urged the believers to set aside a sum of money in keeping with their income, on the first day of every week. and They came together and they brought their gifts, their offerings to the Lord. So worship includes teaching. Worship includes fellowship. It includes communion or the Lord's table. It includes prayer. It includes bringing our offering. And we worship God in each of those ways, by how we listen, by the way that we treat one another in our fellowship and the unity we enjoy, by our reverence and coming to his table and coming together in prayer. In Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, we see that the scripture is to be both spoken and sung. Paul says that we should speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We should sing and make music in our heart to the Lord and always giving thanks to God the Father in everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at the Old Testament, you see that worship was very expressive in many different ways. As Chad mentioned, a few of those where they would kneel or bow down before the Lord, they'd raise their hands, they would sing, they would shout, they would dance before the Lord. There were all of these different expressions that were part of it. They used a variety of instruments as they came together in praising the Lord. Music is one of God's best gifts because it touches our heart and our mind. And what's sad is that this wonderful gift that was meant to unify the church in their worship and praise can also sometimes divide Christians or churches. And usually the differences are over our preferences rather than about doctrine. We each have styles of music or worship that we would prefer. And you see that in the variety of churches that there are in our world. There are what are called high churches or low churches. There are liturgical and there are non-liturgical. There are formal and informal styles of worship. There are churches that have paid pastors and there are churches that have no paid staff but have uh, leaders within the church who would rotate and teach. You have times when people come together and some prefer hymns, some prefer contemporary music, some like both. Some like it quiet and reflective. Some like it louder and they like to hear the music surround them. Some like the outdoor lighting to shine in, others like it more dark and intimate in its setting, and it's a challenge to bring all of that together. And not only that, but when we come together in corporate worship, It can be easy for us to be easily distracted. You know, a little thing can do it. If something's not right up front or something's askew, you know, we can notice that and we're distracted. Or we get into worship and for a moment we're right there, we're locked in, and then we start thinking about what we have to do after church. Or something that came up in the week and it's like, okay, Lord, bring me back, bring me back. And and it can be hard at times to fix our eyes on the Lord and to focus on Him in worship, but that's what God is asking us to do. We are frail creatures, we are easily distracted, we have our own personal preferences, and all of those things can make it hard to worship. So when we come together, we need to remember that worship is about God. It's not about us. It's about coming into His presence to give Him the praise that He deserves. Some churches have tried to address these issues by going to uh, one service that is traditional, another service that is contemporary, and, and uh, some that are even maybe edgier than that, and they have a variety of styles and venues that you can pick and choose from. You end up with, in a sense, separate congregations focused on each of those styles. We have chosen Uh, To do some of both, we are primarily contemporary, but we do include hymns and older songs as well. And we've done that because that seems to best reflect our church body and the community in which we live. When we look at demographic info on this community, there are those that do prefer traditional, those that prefer contemporary, but a larger percentage prefer both. They like that. And having two services that are the same gives us more balance in those worship services and works better with the use of this facility when we have Sunday school, both hours, and our adult Bible fellowships, both hours. And it gives us more balance between the two services and allows us to have room to grow and to better minister to you who are here. It's also interesting for me when I realize and I look back on church history, that struggles related to music have been going on a long time. And what we regard as traditional today was once contemporary. You know, in the early uh, years of the church and as it moved into those middle ages, uh, basically all singing in the church church was called plain chant. One line, one voice, singing something to God. They debated in those early years, should you use harmony? Or would harmony be distracting and take people away from focusing on the words that were being spoken? There was debate about whether music should be scripture only for the lyrics, or could you write songs that would be expressive of your heart relationship with God? And some felt both ways. There were times when they wondered about instruments. Can we use instruments? And if so, which instruments? Luther comes along, and he takes secular music, and he puts Christian lyrics to it, and he was accused of using bar tunes that were offensive to some, and yet for others, really helped to bring them in to worship. Calvin had his Geneva jigs. Isaac Watts didn't like his father's hymnody, and so his dad challenged him to write his own hymns, and Isaac Watts wrote a whole new collection of music that became a standard in the church. And what we see is that every new movement of God has been accompanied by new forms of music. God is a living God, and we are called to worship him, and how that is done may change from generation to generation in the style of music that is preferred. But finally, worship is the giving of ourselves fully to God. In Romans 12, 1 The scripture says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is where it all starts. It starts with giving ourselves to God, putting him first in our life. And that's why we gather in worship. What God desires most is our heart. This spring, Denzel Washington was speaking at a commencement at Dillard University. And listen to what he said. He urged those students to put God first and to thank him constantly. He said, put God first in everything you do. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It is a gift. And I didn't always stick with him, but he stuck with me. And while you're on your knees, say thank you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for parents. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for humility. Thank you for peace. And thank you for prosperity and the blessings you give. Say thank you in advance for what God is going to give to you. And when you reach your goals, reach back and pull someone else up. Now, I can't vouch for Denzel's life. I don't know him personally. And I don't know if he's living those things consistently. And I know we all struggle with being consistent in our Christian life. But I like what he said. Put God first in your life and be thankful. That's what worship is all about. And what I want us to hear today as I bring this to a conclusion is that the normal Christian life is a life Worship. It's a life that honors God. And what that looks like in practice is that we give God the first day of the week. We honor the Lord's day by gathering in church to worship Him. We give Him, secondly, some part of our day, whether that's the first thing in the morning or before you go to bed at night, but some place in our day we need to spend time with God in the Word and prayer. We honor the Lord daily by looking to him in his word and prayer. And thirdly, we honor the Lord with our wealth by putting him first in our giving. We give back to the Lord out of what he has given to us. And finally, we honor the Lord in our life by giving him praise and thanks in everything. In June of 2002, our church adopted a position statement on worship that is still valid And I'd like us to look at this conclusion, what we wrote here, and I'm going to read it for us, and then I'd like us to read it together in unison. So just listen the first time. We believe that God has created us to worship him in all areas of our life. We desire to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit to exalt our Lord and worship, or exalt our Lord and Savior in worship. We desire to be a church where God's people seek him and seek to be in his presence, And this lifestyle of worship is to be evident in our individual lives and corporately as a body of believers. Let's read that again in unison. We believe that God has created us to worship Him in all areas of our life. We desire to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit to exalt our Lord and Savior in worship. We desire to be a church where God's people seek Him and seek to be in his presence. This lifestyle of worship is to be evident in our individual lives and corporately as a body of believers. Amen.